Good morning and welcome to a brand new year and a brand new episode of Mystery, Murder, and Magic. It's a new year, like I said, which brings new hope for a lot of us, new apprehension for some of us, but for all of us, it brings a new chance to make this year better than the last, no matter what gets thrown at us. Now, I believe I mentioned last week that I don't really do the New Year's resolution thing, but I have made a promise to myself to eat better, and I've got my Fitbit charging. I've made that promise to myself because, you know, I just turned 50 this past Friday. And to keep having birthdays well into the future, I need to make some healthy changes. So that's what I'm setting out to do. It's been a while since we've talked about anything but murder. And we did talk about scandals from the 1980s a few weeks ago. But mystery is part of the title of this podcast. So today we're going to be talking about some mysteries through history that have never been solved. And I'm super excited that my son, Nick, is joining us today. Say, hey, Nick. Hello. I figured like most of our episodes are just way too gruesome to include him because he's only 12. But today, I think, is the perfect episode to include him. It's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of Mystery, Murder, and Magic. And here's your host... Andrea Lee and sometimes Alex. All right, y'all. So we've been in this pandemic going on like two years. And when it first started, it was just this foreign type of thing that we didn't really know what to do. I mean, the world just kind of went nuts. And like I said, nobody knew what to do other than buy like insane amounts of toilet paper. But the COVID outbreak is not the first pandemic and certainly won't be the last one. Now, this first mystery on our list today wasn't a pandemic, but an epidemic. And even though it ended up with people dying, it's very odd. And the mental picture it gives you just does kind of give you a little bit of a giggle. Now, the year was 1518, and as we know, back in those days, it seemed that there was no shortage of plagues throughout uh, Europe. Now, this happened on a warm day in July. A German housewife named Frau Trophia stepped out of her home into the village streets, and she just randomly started dancing. She seemed to be dancing to a tune that only she could hear. Now, she didn't do this for just a few minutes and go back inside. No, y'all. She danced all day. Well, this embarrassed her husband, but, you know, he didn't join in to, like, take the attention away from her. And at the end of the day, she stopped dancing long enough to get a little bit of sleep, but it wasn't, like, good restful sleep either. She tossed and turned all night, and then the next day, what did she do? She went out and danced in the streets again. Now, this time... People from the village started gathering to watch. 
What was causing this woman to dance until her feet were bloody and bruised? Was she mentally insane? Did she have this itch that she couldn't scratch? Well, no one knew what was going on, but soon it looked like a street party was taking place because about 30 people joined her in dancing. But soon that number started climbing upwards of 400 people dancing in the streets. And I'm not referring to the song from Footloose. Now, as you can imagine, the local authorities were puzzled about what was happening, and they had no idea how to control the situation. I mean, who knew this type of thing could possibly happen? And they didn't know what to do in case of this toe-tapping emergency, you know? But they did realize that these people weren't dancing for enjoyment. These people were screaming in agonizing pain, and they were pleading for help from the strange malady that had afflicted them. And this didn't go on for just a few days either, y'all. It went on until September. And on some days, as many as 15 villagers a day were dying from whatever was causing this. And because it kept going on and on, the local officials soon consulted with doctors. Now, cosmic and spiritual causes were ruled out. And the only diagnosis that doctors could come up with was that these folks were suffering from hot blood. So what is hot blood? Well, apparently it boiled down to that something was out of whack with the people's bodies, causing their brains to overheat, and they would soon go mad. Well, it was the 1500s, and the only logical cure for this ailment was bloodletting. But how do you even begin to perform that procedure on somebody who can't stop dancing? Well, well, you can't. So they decided to try another course of action and fight fire with fire. They advised the people to dance more and even brought in musicians to play music for the people to dance to. They figured the dancers would get tired of, of dancing and stop, but they didn't. And so it didn't really solve anything because as the musicians or the, as the dancers were like slowing down because they were tired, the musicians didn't slow their music down so the people could cool down. They just kept playing faster and faster, and of course, the crowd responded to the fast beats and matched the tempo with their feet. Seeing that their idea didn't work, the town officials soon came to the only logical conclusion, and that was that the village had been cursed. And that curse was to warn those villagers to repent of their sins or face the repercussions. So now what do they do? They start cracking down on things like prostitution and gambling. Gambling houses and brothels brothels were soon shut down. They didn't stop there either. They rounded up all the people who they had deemed as the root of the problem and they ran them out of town. And despite all of their best efforts, the dancing continued. So just like from the movie Footloose, they banned dancing and music. If you were caught dancing, you would be fined 30 shillings. At weddings, the only instruments that could be played were stringed instruments, I guess like violins, guitars, that type of thing. You couldn't have like tambourines or drums, only string instruments. Now, the dancing mania continued through until September, and just as mysteriously as it had started, it just stopped. 
but people still wanted to know what had caused the mania that had swept through their village, so they called in an expert. His name was Paracelsius, and the only solution he could come up with was to blame the women. Apparently, Frau Trophia had been rebelling against having to do her household chores and just went out into the streets and danced. Now, whether those village officials were satisfied with that answer is on them, and we know back in those days, women were to blame for just pretty much everything. But y'all, it's 2022, and I say this mystery is still unsolved. And I do want to add that the total number of people that died during that time is to be somewhere around 400 people. So around 400 people danced themselves to death, Nick. I don't know. That's crazy. Like, I can't even imagine that being a thing. Or It is scary. That sounds very scary to me. I agree. I mean, it's not something that I had certainly never heard of it. They didn't teach us that in school. So. I wonder what it looked like. It probably was. I bet at first it was funny to watch. And then it probably just became one of those things that they didn't know what to do. And people were dying. So it probably became pretty sad pretty quick. Now on this show, we've talked a lot about people who have seemingly just vanished without a trace. Back in 1930, an entire village disappeared in Canada. On a cold November night, a Canadian fur trapper named Joe LaBelle came to an Inuit village that he had seen many times in his travels through the area on the shore of, and I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly, it's Lake Angikuna. But this time, instead of being able to warm himself from the bitter cold, he found that the entire village had completely disappeared. Now, let me clarify and say that the village structures, like their huts and everything, they were still standing, and there was even steam coming from a stew pot that had been left behind, but there was not a single soul to be found anywhere. Now, when he did go in and check in some of the huts, he found that their clothing and food had been left behind, so who would willingly leave everything behind? Well, that was one of the many questions that came from this mystery. Even the sled dogs from the village were also gone. And get this, there was not one single footprint in the snow suggesting a direction they had left in. Well, of course, this frightened LaBelle terribly, and he was already frozen from the cold, but he decided to press onward and find the nearest town with a telegraph office. When he arrived there, he was severely frostbitten, but he sent out a message for help to the Canadian Mounted Police. When they arrived at the village, they found more than they had bargained for, and it was quite horrifying. Every single grave in the village's burial grounds had been exhumed, and each grave was completely empty. A pack of sled dogs that had starved to death were found buried under 12 feet of snow just outside the village. And when the sun went down that night, the mystery deepened. Mounties reported seeing a mysterious blue light. They were 100% sure that it wasn't from the northern lights because it appeared to be an artificial light. 
and it pulsated on the vista just before disappearing. Now, since then, numerous investigations have taken place, but the disappearance of nearly 2,000 Inuits from the Anjakuni tribe has never been explained. Now, Nick, that would be like about the size of our the population of our town. Like, everybody just disappears. I know. I mean, can you imagine, like, you know, we have a lot of trucks that come through, and can you imagine, like, a truck driver just coming through and... There's nobody anywhere. Like, nobody running, like, the Piggly Wiggly and stuff like that. That would be so really, really <laughs> Yeah, it I would be. I can't imagine. It's, it's just unbelievable that a whole village of people can just disappear without a trace. Now, we can't talk about mysteries without including aliens. Back in 1973, two friends, Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker, were fishing near Pascagoula, Mississippi. It happened on an October night. They told the Jackson County Sheriff's Office that while they were fishing, they suddenly heard this whirling or whizzing noise and saw two flashing blue lights. Then they saw an oval-shaped object that was 30 to 40 feet across and between 8 and feet eight and ten feet off the ground. Their story didn't end there, though. They went on to report that they were fully aware aware of everything that was happening around them and to them, but it was almost like they were paralyzed. They weren't in control of their bodies when three creatures that had mouths that resembled the slit-shaped mouth, like on robots, and they had these crab-like pinchers instead of hands. And these creatures led them on board that flying object where they proceeded to perform medical examinations on both men. Now, of course, there was a lot of skepticism, as is usual, you know, when people say they've seen a UFO or they say they were abducted by aliens. Well, of course, you know, the police who interviewed them thought they were lying. But when they left the room, and that is when the police left the room, Hickson and Parker kept talking between each other, you know, and they didn't know that a hidden voice recorder was recording their every word. Now, I have a clip from that time time that they were left alone by the police, and I'm going to play that for you, but I just want to tell y'all, it's a little hard to understand in some spots, I guess, because, I mean, this was 1973, and it's been around for a while. Now, you know, after hearing that from the two men talking among themselves, police were convinced that something truly had happened to the men that couldn't be explained. And another thing is, as a police officer at that time in Pascagoula said that he received somewhere around 50 calls that night with people saying they were seeing these strange things in the sky. Now, neither Hickson or Parker were physically hurt during that ordeal. And that ordeal consisted of being, like, like I said, this medical examination. And they said what they were examined with resembled like this giant floating eye that scanned up and down their bodies. Now, they were only on that craft for about 30 minutes, but that was long enough to cause anxiety in both of the men. 
Now, fast forward 45 years, and there's a lady named Maria Blair who comes forward to say she witnessed the entire abduction. Maria was there with her husband, Jerry, to see him off when he boarded a boat that was taking him to work offshore. She said it was a warm night, and the couple was waiting in their car for the captain of the boat to arrive. She says Jerry fell asleep, but she witnessed a strange blue light streaking back and forth across the sky. At the time, she thought it was a police helicopter, but where she saw the craft rise up into the sky was at the same spot that Hickson and Parker said they were abducted from. And she continued watching the blue light for about 30 minutes, and then it was gone. Maria says that she didn't come forward with what she had seen because her husband wanted her to keep it quiet because they think she was crazy. And until then, she had only discussed it with a few family members. And she went on to say that she came forward when she did to give the two men's story validation. Now, Alec, you know, Nicholas, I was sitting here thinking... They mentioned a blue a blue light in that story of the the UFO, and there was a blue light in the story of that village disappearing. So well, maybe it's all related. Who knows? Maybe they're both. Maybe so. Now our final mystery for today comes to us from Texas, and it just happened on December 29th. So it was just a few days ago. It was a rainy day in Texarkana, but a few min- for a few minutes, something other than rain was falling from the sky. All over the city, fish were falling from the clouds, most of them measuring between four and five inches in length, and most of the fish appeared to be white bass. One man says that he was still at work when the incident happened. He noticed that the rain sounded strange, so he and a co-worker decided to investigate. When they opened the door, he said there was this loud crack of thunder and a fish hit the ground right in front of him along with the rain. Now, apparently the men work at a car lot and say that the lot was covered in fish. And these men weren't the only ones to witness this weird event. Hundreds of residents from Texarkana took to social media to share their experience. Now, I have to say it does sound like a huge joke or a prank, But the city of Texarkana insists that it really did happen in a post on their Facebook page. Their post says, 2021 is pulling out all the tricks, including rain and fish in Texarkana today. And no, this isn't a joke. Animal rain is a phenomenon that occurs when small water animals like frogs, crabs, and small fish are swept up in water spouts or drafts that occur on the surface of the earth. They are then rained down at the same time as the rain. While it's uncommon, it happens, as evidenced in several places in Texarkana today. So show us your fishy pics, and please, for the sake of everyone, let's tiptoe into 2022 as quietly as possible. Now, a similar event did take place back in 2017 in Northern California, and students there at an elementary school were surprised to find themselves being bombarded by fish as they were out at recess. Now, yes... This phenomenon does have an explanation and isn't really a mystery, but it was just too good to not share on today's episode. Well, that's all I have for today. Nick, do you have anything to add? The fish that she was talking about, that is kind of weird. I know. Can you imagine going outside just to watch the rain and there's fish falling with it? 
But when you like, what if you get hit by a fish? Would you like get knocked out? I guess if it was a big fish, it would, or you know, I guess it would pick up speed falling towards Earth too. So I guess it could knock you yeah, out. It seems Well, y'all, like I said, that's all I have today. Thanks for joining us. And thank you, Nick, for like joining in with me today. That was a lot of fun. And I thought this would be something like you would enjoy. Well, y'all have a good week and be sure to come back on Wednesday for the midweek mini.